And over these three weeks of this series, we're going to talk about hope in us, hope in others, and hope in the world. The scripture for this series is my prayer for you, which is Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that. The God of hope. The God of hope. Joy and peace. Overflowing with joy. Hope lost is the most devastating tragedy in any person's life. But I couldn't even come up with a word that could best describe how unlawful it is in a Christian's life. Lost hope is just a phantom idea. There is all hope. Even when you think there is none, it's just a thought. It's not true. It's not real. And that's what I'm hoping that will just dawn in every one of us today and for the next three weeks that we awaken to the sense to be able to see hope everywhere because he is risen. So in Ephesians chapter 1, I guess I should have turned there too. Ephesians chapter 1, it's in my Bible somewhere. Somewhere over there. No, it is. I promise. Oh, there it is. In Ephesians chapter 1, we'll read verses 15 through 23. It says, Paul, he said, For this reason... Every since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order or so that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Father, God, we just thank you. For this glorious day, your day, your holy day, Jesus, we lift up you, your name, the hope that's found in you. God, we just ask that you open our hearts to receive, as Paul prayed here, the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, and the spirit of wisdom and revelation upon us, oh God, that we can know the hope to which we are called. In Jesus' name, amen. 
And that's just it. He prayed for two things right here. He prayed that the spirit of wisdom would be on us so that we will know him better. That we will know Jesus better. And two, that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened so that we'll know what we've been called to or what we've been given in Christ, which was hope. We've been given hope and inheritance, and we've been given power. So to know him better and to know what you get through him, so that we may know him and know what he's given. And through this series, we're going to focus on hope. Because he said that we've been called to hope. Not just, I wish you would hope better things. We've been called to hope. And we'll discover today three things we're going to focus on. What is hope? What does hope do? And what is our hope? So let's jump right in. What is, oh, I can't even put my hands in my pocket. Okay, no pocket today. Um, What is hope? The best definition to describe what hope is, is a joyful anticipation that something good is about to happen. And I think over the years and as we get older, we kind of forget how to hope anymore. I mean, kids know what hope is. They might not be able to uh, describe it. They might not be able to interpret it. They might not be able to explain it. But you can watch it on them, in them. And over the silliest things, I mean, from a little present that you wrap up quickly and show them. I mean, I gave my granddaughter, Friday was her birthday, she turned two, and I bought a Facebook market used toy, put it in the bag, because, you know, trying to be frugal, you know. And $8 I spent in that, and she would open it, and she oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And I'm like, all right, that's the best $8 I ever spent. But the joyful anticipation that something good is about to happen. And I wish I could have found something better, but, I mean, hello, I'm still a grandma at heart. And that two-year-old just gets me excited every time. Because of simply turning on a light, she gets so excited over. And I'll just, I, I recorded it. So would you just play, play that? I can't hear anything. No volume? Okay. I'm saying do it again. Do you want me to do it again? (laughs) That's how excited she gets over turning a light on. (gasps) I know. (laughs) That's joyful. Okay, you can cut it out. They're going to.
bring shoes and I'll pray for you. Tomorrow they all brought shoes and they all walked out. That's joyful expectation. Something good is about ready to happen. Just like dad put that date on his cane. I'm anticipating something good is going to happen on that day. When we get excited, excited and see what God could do. Like I said, everything he does for us in the scripture, he shows us in our relationships with one another, with, with uh, uh, the earth itself. You know, his heavens declare his glory. You can see him displayed in every little thing. And it's so easy to look at you, if you were a father, if you were a mother, or that you are, how would you want to do good things to your child? You know, of course you would want to. Of course you would want them to crawl up on your lap and, and know that you are good and you want to be good. The joyful anticipation. I mean, what you see today might just be a new sanctuary. But the ones that have been praying into this, even way before I came, whenever that was, three and a half years ago or whatever, um, this is not what we see. <laughs> it's just a step into the Cornerstone campus. When we see that, we see everything. We don't see just this building. This is not the final phase. This is the first step that we've allowed ourselves, you know, open up and dream again. I love that, that Amy prayed that, that those dreams would be resurrected today. That's what the Bible says about your old men will dream dreams, not just that the old men will sleep all the time. But they will be awakened to dream again. That's what that means. Awakened to dream again. That's hope. You don't dream if you don't have any hope. That you'd be awakened to get hope. The joyful anticipation that something good is about to happen is directly anchored in the truth that God is a good, good father. And he wants to give good gifts to his children, which is in Matthew 7:11. Now, come on, there is an unsettling, extremely unsettling uh, feeling or, or, or atmosphere about a person who believes God believe, who believes more that God is someone who wants to withhold good things from his children than he is to bless his children. I mean, have you ever, you know, been a f held back or, or afraid to give a testimony because, well, it sounds like, you know, that God just is spoiling me? Do you have any children who are being overly loved by their mom or dad and they don't want to tell everybody? Come on, they want to tell everybody. So it's not something that we have to hold back on. Or think about the person. Why, why is it easier to think negative than it is to think positive? It's unsettling to realize we can have more faith in a negative outcome than we can in a positive outcome. Hope inheritance and power that's all included in what we have been given and it's all for now it's all for now think about it why would we need power in heaven 
Why would we need riches in heaven? Why would we need hope in heaven? The idea that hope is only for the expectation of heaven. I've heard that one. Be good. I'm trying to be good. But it makes absolutely no sense to me. If the only hope we have is the expectation of heaven. Well, that's where all of our hope is to be placed, is in heaven. And we can just hold on till Jesus comes. You know, hide away. Push yourself away from the world. Don't get, don't get uh, polluted by the world and hide out. And, you know, our four walls and, you know, hide. And Jesus will come back anytime. The expectation, the anticipation, I should say, of a joyful thing happening now, now is what he's saying. Now, think about it when he, when Lazarus died and Jesus stayed away three more days and then he went and he, he showed himself, Mary, Martha, and he's like, um, do you believe that your brother will rise again? Oh, yes, Lord. In the resurrection, he goes, oh, wait a minute. I am the resurrection. And this is before he was resurrected. He said, don't just wait for that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, have you heard people say that? You go to pray for them. Well, they'll be healed in heaven. No, duh. You know, don't you just want to say that? It's like, duh. But if everything was pushed for heaven, why did Jesus have to come to earth? If healing was only supposed to take place in heaven, then why was he going around healing everybody and telling everybody, now you go heal everyone? Why would he do that? That makes no sense. If our expectation of life and abundant life was only for heaven, don't think about it here. Just push away everything and don't enjoy life. You know, the whole sour face. You know, what? How would that draw people to the Lord? You know, if we walked around, oh, I'm suffering for Jesus, I'd be like, count me out then. Right? Wherever he went, he offered hope. He offered life. He offered healing. Everything. That's why the world came out. What did the, the scriptures say that the whole town turned out to listen? Wasn't it to the apostles? You know, the first, the whole, why? Because do you think there's, oh, stop it. Don't get excited now. You know, stop that. And that's for heaven. That's not for here. Don't do that. Who would come out and listen to that? Who would want that? And if it was, I mean, let's just be honest. And I know some of you older ones are probably going to hate me for saying this. But if everything was pushed to heaven, uh, what are we doing here? What are you doing on an Easter Sunday here in a cold building with cement floors? Yeah, if it wasn't to experience life to the fullest now, healing and hope now, resurrection power now, come on. I love it. Uh, Jesus even taught us to pray. His kingdom come. Wait a minute. I thought his kingdom already was. His kingdom's in heaven. Yes. But he said, pray that his kingdom come now as it is in heaven. 
on earth now. Whoa, wait a minute here. I feel like, you know, got a new Superman belt on. Yes. I'm ready. Right? He's like, go, go, come on, expand the kingdom wherever you go. Carry the kingdom in you and expand it. The great commission was when Jesus said, everything I've done, oh man, you're going to do a lot more. Bigger things than even what you see. I want to I wanna see them big things. You know, this is the only place you'll be able to see healings. When you get to heaven, they're all done. This is the only place you can see miracles. Because it's all done there. This is it. If it was all just for heaven, Jesus would have never had to come, right? If it was, well, that was Jesus and not for us, Jesus wouldn't have had to go to hell and grab the keys back from Satan and give them back to us. Now look, I have all authority. You now have all authority, all power. Go in my name and heal all. Cast out all demons. Raise the dead. Yes, I said it. I want to raise so many dead people that I could start a, I want to start a church that is just all the resurrected. Could you imagine the worship in that church? Oh. Yes. Yes. Oh. One of my biggest pet peeves is the idea of false hope. Because I've heard Christians and people say, well, I didn't want to give them false hope. The definition of false hope is telling untrue promises. How, I mean, where in the word is any of his promises untrue? None. Thank you very much. You guys just spoke right there. None. All his promises are true. So when you're speaking the word, you are not giving False hope, you're giving hope. You're giving life. False hope, is that's not true. It's telling untrue promises. Now, if you're going around telling untrue promises, yeah. Yeah. So what does hope do? So that's what hope is. What does hope do? Hope anchors us. I didn't wear a watch. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. That means I have freedom. And it's one service. I don't have to hurry up. And you have chocolate. So you're content. Eat your neighbors if you already ate all yours. I give you permission. So what does hope do? Hope anchors us in God, his word, his kingdom. Hope creates an atmosphere that welcomes heaven. It's that joyful anticipation that he sets up on the edge of his Thank you for making me aware of that countdown clock. Now I see it. I can't miss it. Can't see Grandma Anna anymore, but I see that clock. No, it's okay. It welcomes heaven. Same thing. Parent, child, it welcomes good things. It welcomes in. When you joyfully anticipate God, our good, good Father, is coming in. It creates that atmosphere. Hope feeds faith. Hope feeds faith. 
Hebrews 6, 19 says, Hope is an anchor for our soul. It doesn't matter what storm we're in. It doesn't matter what we're facing. It doesn't matter if you don't understand the why. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. But, 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 but. Mm, I tell my kids all the time, get the butt off your lips and put it back down here where it belongs. But, no. It doesn't matter. I mean, heartbroken. I've sat at, you know, funerals for children. And the parents are demanding an answer. And all I can do, and I told them, that's the, the best thing you can do is just trust. I don't know. Would it change if you knew? No. I don't know. But I know God's good, and he's good all the time. And I know that he'll work out everything. It doesn't feel like it right now, and I'm so sorry your heart's broken, and I'm so sorry you're going through that. But he is the God of hope. He is the God of all comfort. He is the God of all love. So it doesn't matter what storm you're facing. It doesn't matter what you're going through. There is always a light at the end of the tunnel, if you want to say it that way. Hope knows there is a shore on the other side of a stormy sea. Faith is the strength to keep rowing. Faith is the ear that keeps hearing the Father calling. Faith is the eyes that see past all the barriers to the one on the shore who holds all the answers. Hope feeds Faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not yet seen. Faith is substance. Faith is evidence. Faith is substance and faith is evidence. Our hope knows God is love and we can trust him. He is a good, good father all the time, and if he did it for one of his children, he'll do it for me. Testimonies feed hope. Did you feel that earlier when people were sharing testimonies? It feeds that hope. Oh, 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 oh. Joyful. Anticipation. Testimonies are substance. They're evidence. God's promises bring hope. When you don't hear a testimony, there's always promises. And I'm going to put somebody on the spot. How many promises are there in there? Thousands. Over 3,000? I'm not sure. Oh, I put them right on the spot. If I would have called at any other time, somebody would have told me the exact number. There's so many promises in here. That feeds hope. That feeds faith. Do you understand that the promises he says are yes and amen? He speaks a word he cannot lie. If he says, I will do this, he will do that. Now, where we trip up most of the time is that we want the frosting without digging into the cake. With every one of his promises, he has a our part. He has a, if you do this, I will do this. And people want to glass over, look over, you know, breeze over the what I have to do part, and let's just get to the frosting part. 
you know? It's kind of like the child who wants the allowance but doesn't want to do the chores. They come to you on Friday, okay, where's my allowance? And you're like, uh, I see that you didn't do your chores. Oh, that's okay, but I still want my allowance. Oh, no, it's not. All God's promises have an if. If you do this, he says, then I will do this. Why? Because he co-labors with us. All of his intentions, all his dreams, all of his purposes, he could have done without us. Come on, let's just be honest. He could do it a lot better. But his heart is to co-labor with us. And so even in his promises, he wants us to co-labor with him. Okay, so if I do this, and I circle those things in my Bible. I write all over in my Bible because this is a study of how to live life to the fullest. Now, somebody told me years ago, Bible stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. I like that. It's my instructional manual, you know. And so if I do this. So wherever I see a promise, I get excited about it. I back up in the scripture. Now, where's my part? Because I want that frosting. And I heard people say, well, that's just wrong. That's selfish. And you'll become a spoiled brat. And God won't give you that. And you know what? Can I trust my heart to know when to give my kids things and when, oh, maybe you don't need this right now? You know, the, the one that comes to me with his driving permit and says, I need my Lamborghini now. You're like, I've got that orange Pinto out in the yard. You're going to drive for a while first, right? Well, if we can trust our earthly parents, you can trust your own heart. Can you not trust God's heart? So that you stand joyfully anticipating something good is about to happen. It's trusting his heart to give you when you need it. And to, oh, okay, we're going to wait. Now, okay, you can have, yeah, right? I'm not going to, my kids ask all the time. I raised six kids. And every one of them go through this, I want dessert, don't want to eat my dinner, right? Did you give them the dessert without giving them the dinner? No. Yes, stop it, I did not. No. Again, you can trust his heart. We, he is our father. We are his children. So if he ever thinks that you're getting a little bit too spoiled and demanding, I mean, once you start demanding God to give you this or that, I mean, what parent would bow to that? I want what you want, you know. I don't think so. Come on. God is a good, good father. So what does hope do? Hope feeds faith. And let me just throw this out here. If hope feeds faith, then the opposite of that is equally true. So hopelessness feeds fear. Fear is a destroyer of gigantic proportions here. Fear is what will get in your face and tell you to, can I say, I did, shut up, sit down. You don't deserve that. You don't deserve that. And how dare you? And you can't ask. And well, you did that. So you might as well just. Fear will keep you locked up from the freedom that God has for you. And fear, hopelessness. Anxiety, worry, insecurities, they all have these evil little twins that 
you know, flourish around them that come out. But hopelessness feeds fear. President Snow in the movie The Hunger Games made this quote that, I mean, it just, I mean, grabbed me the first time I watched it on TV. I'm like, stop, rewind that. Let me hear that again. No, stop, rewind it again. And then I'm like, just record that part right there. I want to remember that. He said, hope is the only thing stronger than fear. A little hope is effective. A lot of hope is dangerous. Jesus did not come to earth, die on the cross, and be resurrected from the grave for you to have just a smidgen of hope. He wanted the hope that he is in you to send hell scurrying away. Whenever, here comes, you know, I say this all the time. I want, when I wake up, and I know you can, you, boy, she's so prideful. You know, no, I just know who he is in me. Okay? That when I wake up and put my feet on the ground, that hell shakes. Oh, crap, she's awake again. That's right. That's right. Here I come. What does it do? What does hope do? Hope feeds faith. And then you start feeling that substance and that evidence of God's promises are true. What he said, he will do. What he did for you, he can do for me. Fear is just believing in a negative outcome where hope Remember, is anticipating, joyfully anticipating something good is about to happen. Fear is just, oh, Eeyore. It is so Eeyore, isn't it? Oh, man. Oh, boy. It's expecting. Let me ask you something. Okay, don't answer this just in your mind. I'll give you a little test here. Uh, okay, women. Your husband's two hours late getting home from work. You're pacing the floor. You're staring at your place where your watch should be. And where are you? What are the first things you start thinking? Prep got in an accident. Right? Oh, I knew he was going to stop. By. I knew it. There, there's that one, you know, place that strip joint just opened up on that corner. He drives by. I know. He probably stopped there. I know. He probably stopped it. Your child doesn't call when they're supposed to call. Where does your mind go? They've probably been abducted. I need that navigation. I need to find out where are they. I need to see where they are. Come on. You, you, well, that's just normal. No, that's feeding fear, feeding that hopelessness. And fear is believing in a negative outcome. I just had somebody went through, you know, some trouble. And they're texting me. Well, you know, where do you think this person is? And I'm like, maybe they wanted to go feed the hungry and clothe the naked, you know, that we've been talking about. And maybe they're out there. See, you've got to train your mind to think good things, to be hopeful. Again, is that false hope? No. That's believing the best, hoping for anticipating something good's about to happen. So here it is. What is our hope? 
course, I've given it away a few times already. Christ in you is the hope of glory. It says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. The day Jesus died, the disciples were afraid. All hope was lost. They were hiding away in the upper room. Or in a room, wasn't it? wasn't the upper room. I don't know, it could have been. What do I know? They were hiding away, afraid. All hope was lost. When Jesus appeared to them, he was the evidence that everything they hoped for is now true. He is the evidence. Christ in you is the evidence, the substance that other people can grab a hold of and say, I believe that. Not just because you said it, but because you are it. You are the substance. You are the evidence of the hope that they can have. The hope that Jesus died for all to have. Think about it. Our hope. Romans 8.11. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. As he is now, so are we in this world. Not when you get to heaven. That's in 1 John 4, 17. Now, he says, as he is. Do you know as he is? Do you know what he looks like now? Turn to Revelations. When John describes in detail what he's seen in Jesus, it says, so are you now on this earth. So I don't have, I mean, I'm going to steal my girlfriend's saying, I don't have confidence in who I am. I have Godfidence. I know who God is in me and who he is in you and you and you. And that's why next week we're going to talk about hope in others. It's because the same when you can grab a hold of this for yourself and the hope that God is in you, you can easily see it in others. You can easily. And yet we have to, I'll address it really. It's easier to see it in strangers than it is in family, isn't it? No, nobody's like that. I have no problems in this world. I can do ministry 24-7. And then there's people who tell you unqualified, how unqualified you are, how on everything you are. And then you go, like a little balloon. No, but Christ in you is that. <gasps> he wants to do this. He wants to do this. He wants to, he wants to do good things. Christ in in you, as he is now, so are we in this world. And then in Matthew 28, in the Great Commission, where Jesus says, now go. Why? Because I have everything, all power, all authority. I'm sending you, and I'll be with you wherever you go. Heal all. Preach to all. Heal all. Christ in us. We are the evidence of God's love to all. Christ in us is the proof of hope for all who believe. Uh, if the team wants to come back, I'm, I want you to understand that 
and I do this frequently. I don't care if you've been coming to church 25 years, you know, or 50 years, or I asked Jesus into my heart when I was three years old in Sunday school class. Um, That aside, I think just like a husband and wife relationship, we need a spurring on to a greater relationship. He's always calling us into a deeper relationship. He always wants us to draw up to him. He says, my heart is that I want to I want to pull you in. Pull you in like a like a mother hen draws in her children, but he says, but you wouldn't let me. And I think sometimes we got to take off our Christian hat and our Christianese language, lay all that down and just get open and real before God. And just say, refresh me again. Are you walking in all joy right now? Are you walking in all peace right now? Is there places in your life, in your heart, in your mind, in your conversations that don't exuberate all joy at all times? That don't uh, communicate all peace at all times? then it's time for a refreshing today. And that was the prayer that we started in uh, Romans 15, that Paul said that I pray that you would be given the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you'll know him better. He wants a face-to-face meeting with you. I like that when he described his conversations that he had with Moses. He said, I talk with him like a friend talks with another. I talk to him face to face. Actually, one translation says mouth to mouth. He wants to be that intimately close with us. That we carry him. Again, our hope is Christ in us. And so if we only know about him, we can't carry him. If, if we only have a, a written word, it's like having a, getting married just so you have the marriage certificate but never sleeping with your spouse. Something wrong. Something wrong with that. It's like telling your spouse up here at the altar... The day that you're getting married, exchanging your vows, and I love you. Oh, I love you. No, I love you more. And then, amen. Kiss your bride. Kiss. See you next week. What? What kind of a love relationship is that? If you only come in together once a week that you just have a marriage certificate that says that you're married, but you don't sit in, in each other's presence so that he can pour into you all that he is. That's what he desires. And why wouldn't we want that? We have more faith in our ability to be paupers, <laughs> you know, in spirit and in finances and in every, oh, woe is me. 
than we do in just surrendering to God and saying, whoa, you have everything. Guess what? I want it. I don't know about you, but I'm not 100% healed. I want to be walking in divine health all the time. So these little pokes that happen to me over the ages as I get older don't happen anymore. I was just telling my husband, I want to be 97 running around like a 27-year-old. That will proclaim God's goodness, won't it? Wouldn't people be saying, what do they say to you, Anna? How do you do it? How do you stay so pretty and so strong? And so Christ in me. Christ in me. That gives him glory. Not the, oh, woe is me. The hopelessness. The hope-filled person knows who they are in God and who God is in them. That he said it, I believe it, that settles it. So what is hope? The joyful anticipation that something good's about ready to happen. I just want to see all of you walking around like this. <laughs> He's about and we do this at home too because we're still calling in. I have I I'm I want to write a check for the Cornerstone campus for fifty thousand dollars. And I keep asking God. I, I got it halfway made out, buddy, and you know, I'm not gonna sign it just in case, you know, you know, you know, but you know. And so when Brian goes and gets the mail, I'm like, oh Brian, oh, is it here yet? Is it here yet? It's coming, it's coming. Because I told God, you put it in my hand and I'll put it back in your hand. Come on. Get excited. Joyfully anticipate something good is about to happen. We've been feeling the same way over this altar service. Something good is starting to shake already. Something good is about ready to happen. Some people have come in here today and you've lost hope. And it was either in a marriage relationship or a family relationship. Some of you have lost hope because you're so knee deep or eye deep in debt. You don't know what you're going to do. Somebody's come in here and you've got a healing. Either you need a healing or a family member needs a healing and you've given up. You've lost hope. Somebody in here, you've been carrying the same sickness around for decades. And you've given up and lost hope. And you'll pray for other people, but I guess God wants me this way. Let's just blow that lie right out of the water right now. Jesus did not take the beating he did for you to continue to be sick. Did you ever see anywhere in the Bible where Jesus left someone sick? No. And he didn't say, go and heal, well, just some of them. He said, go and heal all, all. Nowhere is it encouraged for you to hold on to less than what he wants to give you. All healing, all healing. Christ in you is your hope. Would you just stand? I had more, but I don't even want to read it anymore. And like I said earlier, that some of you just need a refreshing, a refilling of that God of all hope to pour into you all hope. 
that overflowing hope again. God, fill me up with you that I can hope again, that I can dream again, that I can step out in faith again because hope feeds faith. Lord, and you can be all you are in me because Christ in me is the hope of glory. Come on, if that's you, I want you to press in right now and we're going to make this concrete area here our altar. There's going to be people that will pray for you, but I also want to, those people I called out, if you came here and you've lost hope in a relationship, up front. Come on. If you came here and you lost hope in your finances, come on up. We're going to pray for you. If you lost hope, you need a healing for a family member. Come on up. We're going to pray for you. You've already heard the testimonies. The healing's already here. What he's done for one, he'll do for another. Come on. Oh, you've been carrying this sickness, whatever it is, or this pain, whatever it is, for for a long time. Your healing's here. Come on. How many have been, would you raise your hand, how many have been healed recently? Healed recently. Wave your hand. Wave your hand. Look around. Look around. This is your evidence that he heals all. This is your evidence that he heals all. Come on. Come on. Press in. I've got prayer warriors up here that are going to start praying with you. Come on up. Come on up. So Amy's going to lead in a song.